Hey folks, and welcome back to Return to the Telepodcast, a show about shitty horror movie sequels, prequels, reboots, etc. I'm Bryce Patterson. I think my parents are listening to this episode, and I was going to really try not to curse in this one, but um, oh, too shit. late already. <laughs> Ass. Uh, I think that's it. <laughs> and uh, as as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Serrano Echeverria. Hello. He's cursing like a sailor in the background. I, I always do. It's who I am as a person, and I will never change for anyone. You know, I wouldn't ask you to change. Thank you. I wouldn't change it if you did. That, yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, hi, mom and dad, potentially. Hi, Bryce's parents. So, if this is your first time joining us, here's the, the deal, mom and dad. Each episode of this show focuses on, you know, you know, a really an iconic horror movie that has just a mess of a sequel. And we also uh, are looking at prequels, reboots, uh, basically any kind of continuation of, of an original story. So Kevin and I look at, you know, the elements that made the original film so great and so iconic, how the sequel, prequel, reboot, whatever kind of missed the mark. And then we pitch each other ideas for different directions that the story uh, could have gone instead, or that it maybe, I guess, could still go. This week, we're talking about Ringu and The Ring, and we're doing kind of a weird episode. We ended up watching four different films for this one. More like three and a half films, really. Because like... Ringu, like the Japanese ring and the American ring are very similar. So I really wouldn't consider them like full on different films. Yeah. Yeah. No. So um, basically uh, what we ended up doing was watching Ringu and then we watched the 2017 American reboot rings. Mm -hmm. And then we did uh, the American version of the ring. And then the Japanese Ringu 2 in that order. And so it's a big old mess and we'll see how it goes. Hopefully it will go well. It was uh, an interesting viewing experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so to start us off, as always, uh, Kevin, what's your history with these films? So out of all of those films, the only one that I watched like prior to like watching them for this is is ring the american ring uh which i mean like it's already a really really popular really really iconic uh, horror movie i think i saw it when i was like 15 16 ish i think something mm-hmm. like that i thought it was good like when i watched it like the at that age i thought it was fine uh it wasn't really my cup of tea mostly because like it felt a lot more like a detective movie uh with like horror elements mixed in kind of like if it was um what is that? What is what is that movie about the serial killer in Saw. California? No, not that one. What's Seven. That not that Silence one. Silence of the Lambs. Not that one. <laughs> Just going through all of them. Um, whatever. Like, yeah, those those kinds of movies. Uh, it kind of felt like that, uh, which I wasn't really a huge fan of yet, uh, because I was like 15, 16, so I didn't really have the patience for like detective movies yet. Uh, but rewatching it now. Um, I have an appreciation for it. I have a newfound appreciation for it. The uh, Japanese one, especially, I, I I enjoy a lot more than the American one. Yeah, yeah, they're they're interesting, and I, I, I we'll we'll talk a little bit about the kind of similarities and differences between the two. Um, I think there is the Ring is a really good mystery. I think, yeah. or or I think there's a really fun sort of process of piecing together, you know, the different things we see in the videotape to sort of what they end up being clues for the, the, the investigative side of it is, is really fun. So the American version came out in 2002. So I would have been, uh, I think in like fourth or fifth grade, maybe. And I remember like other kids had seen it and would talk about it. And so like, I remember kids joking about like seven days and whatever, but I never, uh, I didn't see it for a while. And I, I don't remember whenever, when I first saw it, I've seen it like a bazillion times now, mm-hmm. but I, I really like it. You know, I, I think it's, it's generally like a, a well-crafted story with like a really uh, fun kind of central 
thing to it, you know, the, the whole like one week to live, I think it's fun and interesting. Um, but this was my first time seeing yeah any of the sequels, the original Japanese film, uh, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what it came out of 2002. So I, I would have been like five or six. So I did not see it at that age. Because uh, I don't recommend showing a ring to a five or six year old. Yeah, I think that's I think that's wise. I uh, Kevin, I was pausing because I was expecting you to start singing "One Week" by the Bare Naked Ladies. It's man. <laughs> it could be every time. That should have been the ending song. Like we should have gotten like the last shot, just being like someone dying, and then suddenly out of nowhere, it's man, and then the credits roll. <laughs> I am so sold on that. I love it. We need to make a remake of our own that has that. That's actually my entire pitch is just the ring as done by the bare naked ladies and they star as all the roles. Yes. I I like that. I like that pitch a lot. Cool. Well, um, without further ado, um, so I'm going to summarize both Ringu and the ring. They're very similar. Um, and so, so I've written a summary that hopefully I think captures yeah. everything that's the yeah. same between the two films. And we can talk a little bit about the yeah. differences. Yeah, we'll note a few of the very mostly inconsequential uh, differences between the two. Journalist Rachel Keller investigates the death of her niece, who passed away suddenly after watching a strange videotape with a group of friends. Rachel tracks down and watches the videotape, and she now has seven days to live. She recruits her ex-boyfriend Noah to help her study the tape, and they start to experience strange visions. Things heat up when Rachel and Noah's son, Aiden, watches the tape himself. Eventually, their investigation brings them to a small island off the coast where they follow the story of Samara, a psychic girl murdered by one of her adopted parents. Uh, so in the Japanese film, uh, I believe it's her father who does the murdering, and in the American film, it's her mother. I think so, yeah. Rachel and Noah return to the mainland to find Samara's body, and, which is in the bottom of a well, and give it a proper burial. And then, you know, they think everything is fine, uh, one week by the bare naked ladies plays and then Samara (laughs) shows up and murders Noah. The film ends with Rachel realizing that Samara won't come for you as long as you make a copy of the tape. Uh, And so the film ends with she and Aiden making a copy together. Hmm. So, so yeah, so they're very similar, right? Um, What were the major, I mean, you mentioned that you, you preferred the Japanese version. I did. I did for a few reasons. Uh, it's really just like small differences that make me enjoy the Japanese one more. Uh, a big one for me is the camera work in the Japanese version is less, I would say, annoying or maybe a little, <laughs> a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say professionally done, less gimmicky, maybe. Because like the American version just has like this early 2000s, like greenish, like color palette yeah. throughout the entire movie. That reminds me a lot of Twilight because Twilight has a very bluish color palette throughout all of it and the japanese one doesn't have it uh everything's just like kind of naturally lit which is a lot nicer um besides that uh they had a weird subplot uh in the american version where like samara samantha sanguina i don't know sacagawea sangria sangria went stefani whatever her name was shakira (laughs) um like she has like a weird effect on horses and like like when someone like interacts with the uh, film in some res- in some way, they get like kind of some of her powers. So she's weirdly psychic, like um, the reporter or whatever is weirdly psychic. So whenever like any of them interact with horses in the American version, they freak out and then like commit horse suicide, uh, which I thought was odd. Uh, in yeah. the Jap- in the Japanese version, they do, they don't do that at all. And uh, <laughs> instead of going to a horse ranch that they do in the American version, they just go to a hotel. Yeah, I think the big the biggest difference that I kind of noticed between the two is that I feel like 
the American version kind of takes everything that's in the Japanese version hmm. and then just kind of expands on it a little bit more. Right. Um, and I think in some ways that works and in some ways it's kind of scattershot. Um, so Samara's videotape in the Japanese version is, I think, noticeably shorter and there's less of a focus on like the kind of uh, the symbols from the videotape appearing in in their day to day lives. Right. And so there's, there's elements of that in the in the in the Japanese version. But I, I feel like there is something of kind of a scattershot approach to just kind of uh, we spend much more time with. Aiden, the kid in in the American version, which like kids in horror movies, oh. usually not very good. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's just kind of like it, it just feels like it's a little bit like more of everything. Yeah. And so there are things that I think I like somewhat. I, I think the mystery is maybe like a little bit more complex in the American one, mm-hmm. but I also don't. I, I feel like everything is a little bit more complex. I'm not sure how much it actually needs that. Right. Yeah, and I also feel like, similar to that, we get a lot more of some Samara. That's her name, right? Samara? Whatever. Yeah. I, I can never get her name right. Sudoku. Sudoku, yeah. We get a lot more of Sudoku in the Japanese version uh, than the American version. Like, we see her, uh, like, her actual past. People flash back to her a lot more, which I liked, because it kind of, like, made more sense as to, like, what was happening in the Japanese version as opposed to the American version. Uh, like there was this whole thing where she like, or someone at least fell into a volcano because they predicted that a volcano was going to erupt or something like that. I thought was interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in the American version, uh, Samara is adopted by a couple that's not able to have a child. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the Japanese version, the the mother is psychic and then the child is psychic as well. And it's just like the child is both psychic and evil. Yeah. Yeah. Something something I notice is I feel like the the American version spends a little bit more time on kind of characterization with the the major people involved. So Rachel, Noah, and Aiden, their uh, you know, their their counterparts in the Japanese version. I think those characters, we spend a little bit more time with them kind of as people, but they're also very tropey. Yeah. Um so like like Aiden is very much the kind of precocious kid who calls his mom by her first name. And I kind of I was thinking about it while we were watching, it was like, I don't know if I actually need that much um on on these people. Not really, no. I mean like in the Japanese version, the the child is just like a child. Which but he's like, mostly silent. Yeah, which I thought was a good choice because it made him significantly less annoying than the American Aiden. Yeah, yeah, but overall, right? I mean, I I, I thought they they were they were both good films, and as far as um, re remaking a film for for Western audiences, I thought they did a pretty good job overall. I thought, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I almost like wonder what even the purpose of remaking a foreign film for another audience or especially an American audience. What, like what's the point of it? Cause like I watched, I watched Ringu, the Japanese ring. Uh, I have some knowledge of Japanese culture, but not like, I'm not an expert on it. I haven't been to Japan and like, I got through it perfectly fine. Like all I had to do was read subtitles and I was like, okay. And like, I felt like it, it was a very similar experience if I would have been like, a Japanese person or something like that. If I knew a lot about Japan, I feel like I, I didn't really miss a lot by not knowing a ton about Japan. Yeah. You know, something uh, actually my mom has said to me before, hi mom, is this idea that like horror is actually one of the easiest genres to translate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it makes a lot of sense, right. That like generally, I mean, different cultures have different things that are, that are creepy to us, but right there are a lot of fundamentals that work really easily regardless, right? Like somebody getting chased down by somebody who's going to murder them, I think is scary kind of regardless of cultural context. Right. And so, yeah, like the um, watching through Ringu, there weren't really any moments where I felt like I was missing something as, as an, an American viewer. And I mean, it could be right that there is like characterization going on that I don't notice because I don't speak Japanese. And so maybe a character is actually speaking in puns through the entire movie. I don't pick up on any of that, right? <laughs> but yeah, it is uh, it, it is like a very seamless film, I think, to, to, to watch as an American audience. Yeah, like I'm, I don't 
have anything against the American ring necessarily. I think it's fine. I just like question the purpose of it existing. Cause like if an American person just watched the Japanese ring, if the, if the Japanese ring was just like released in the U S at around the same time, I'm fairly certain like viewers would have the same experience with it or at least a very, very similar experience with it. Yeah, that's really fair. I guess, you know, maybe the, 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 I, I'm trying to think of like, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, the reason is money, right? But I mean, uh, yeah, we know that, but we're ignoring yeah. that for a second. Yeah, yeah. So ignoring <laughs> that, I mean, I do think, you know, the American version pushes a little bit harder on both the kind of detective e mm. sort of elements and the horror elements. I think um, there are more kind of consistent uh, scares in, in the American version. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, it it, it, it comes out of that sort of like early 2000s pop horror, which is very heavy on like hitting you with like, and now here's a scene of like a creepy eye in a window or something. You know, it's very into kind of like flashing things on the screen to sort of disorient you. And like, I think that's often very cheap. It doesn't bother me in the ring in the same way that it does in like, say woman, the the woman in black is like a few years later. That's a film that I think is significantly hurt by trying to constantly be like, remember this is a horror movie like they're just like screaming it at you there's not really a lot of jump scares or things like that in the uh american ring there's like pretty much none in the japanese one uh which i don't think really harmed it for not having any yeah no i think they were impressively restrained actually yeah yeah there's a surprising little amount of horror at least from an american standpoint in the japanese ring yeah, it's much more that sort of creeping dread, you know, and the um, the countdown, which leads us very smoothly. Uh, <laughs> I'm a podcaster. I know how to segue ideas. Um, but, you know, leads us into the, the things that make The Ring such a classic, you know, or, or such like a like an iconic film of its time, right? Mm-hmm. I think the, the countdown uh, that both Ringu and the American version of The Ring do the, you know, uh, Monday, six days yeah. left. And so it has that sort of constant reminder of, you know, the, the, the ticking clock. And I think that's such a huge part of what makes these films work as yeah. well as they do. Yeah. I think it's a very good concept, a very good like way to like have this looming dread throughout the entire story, like knowing that someone is going to die or might die, or they need to solve this entire case in like seven days. Because if they don't it's do that, bad. then they don't. Thank you, bare naked ladies. <laughs> but it's a good way. It's a good like, um, like storytelling technique in order to like both make it so the story doesn't like go overboard, and also to like make it so like the plot progresses, and it also sets the tone really well. Yeah, it's like a, a way I think to keep things tense, kind yeah. of throughout the entire film. And and so we have that tension without needing the constant kind of like yeah. that a, a lot of uh, a lot of horror movies I think kind of succumb to yeah yeah especially because like the monster in the movie some Selena Gomez like she <laughs> she doesn't really show up very much at all yeah no they're they're pretty restrained with their use of Shakira like she's yeah she's in it but and and, and I think. Honestly, the moments where we actually see kind of her face are some of the the weakest moments in the film. Mm. Um, you know, I think it's really like the hair and the fingernails like are very like ugh, for me. Um, like those those elements really work on me. And I think the moment we actually see her face, I'm like, oh, that's just a kid. Like you could drop kick the monster in this movie. And Why don't they ever drop kick her? She's just like a psychic child. Like being psychic's not going to protect you from like a roundhouse kick. These are the questions that the producers needed to ask. This is true. Every time, anytime viewers, any, if you ever like plan on making a horror movie, always consider the fact that the monster can be drop kicked. Yeah, that would really change uh, The Omen and uh, probably The Exorcist <laughs> too. It would change a lot of movies. Yeah. So um, something else I wanted to talk about, uh, I, I think The Ring is a really good example of kind of infection horror, you know, that it's mm-hmm. it's very much about this kind of 
being touched by something and that passing on. And, you know, I, I think that's true right in zombie movies when somebody gets yeah. um, bitten. It's also true in something like it follows, Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's that horror of kind of, so you, you sort of brush with something that you're not supposed to, and now you're kind of infected by it. And I think it's, it's a really interesting move doing that as a videotape, as opposed to, uh, something biological, which I think is right. traditionally how these movies would work. It actually like reminds me a lot of, as, even though I fucking hate this franchise, Final Destination, <laughs> <laughs> where they have like a similar thing going on, where it's just like these people escape death, and now they are like all just being fucking annihilated one after the other uh, by death. So it kind of like has that same like sort of looming doom throughout the entire film. Um, I think the difference between The Ring and uh, Final Destination is that Final Destination doesn't really care about character development and like actually establishing people as characters and just focuses on the doom, gore, everyone's gonna die. Well, like The Ring is like a legitimately good story. <laughs> the, yeah, the, yeah, I mean, I guess speaking of it being like a legitimately good story, like it is, I think, a well crafted story, right? That it's sort of, you know, it's about this girl who is a victim of abuse. And then the sort of twist at the end is realizing, like, yeah, she's a victim of abuse, but she's also pure evil or something, right? Yeah. Whereas Final Destination has this weird sort of like semi mystical kind of like, you know, death will claim it's whatever, you know, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's very oddly broad. And, and so, whereas, you know, the ring is very much about these kind of like four characters, you know, um, Samara and then Naomi Watts, the ex partner and their child, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's intimate and it, it, it's sort of, yeah, the characters do kind of have arcs, meaningful things happen right. as opposed to, yeah, yeah. Final Destination, I feel like is more of kind of, it's like a roller coaster ride and like roller not a particularly good one. Uh, that's the song, Final Destination. Wait, what's the song? Roller Coaster by, uh, I think it's called Roller Coaster by Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's literally just playing while two people are dying. It's kind of cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. it's in the fourth one. So then the the last thing that I kind of had as far as what what makes these these films so so iconic or so classic is there's that kind of like meta layer on top that like you know I, I mean I, I feel like this is the really obvious thing about the ring right is that now we've all seen the videotape and so like it, it sort of plays on that kind of you know if if you are willing to kind of believe in and follow the narrative yeah. of the film right we all have seven days as yeah. well it's uh, kind of I, like a Blair Witch a little bit before Blair Witch. Yeah. Well, and actually, I think Ringu came out the same year as Blair Witch, if I oh, remember right. Okay. I could be I, wrong. I, uh, that's that's spurious and unresearched. Valid. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's, there's, I, I think there is something to that. You know, uh, we were joking about, like, do you know anyone who's seen Rings 2017? Because, like, I don't. Does that mean that anyone who sees Rings 2017 dies in seven days? It's been. Yeah, it's been. Got it. We we don't have much time left, Kevin. I hope I get killed by the bare naked ladies. (laughs) Uh, So I, I know we said this at the top of the episode, but I'll kind of repeat because there's a bunch of these. Basically, we decided to watch Ringu 2, uh, which came out in 1999, and Rings, which was uh, an American reboot that came out in 2017. And literally, as I was writing my summaries for these movies, you know, I always pull up Wikipedia just so I have a reference to look at as I go. Turns out, in Japan, Ringu was released alongside a a, a sequel called Spiral, which I I guess came out the same year, 1998. And it's apparently it wasn't very good. It's pretty much forgotten and it had not popped up anywhere before, uh, before we watched these films, right. Or at least it hadn't for me. So, so there is a sequel apparently that came out at the same time that we did not watch. And I've heard that some elements from that made their way into rings 2017. Uh, so with that in mind, what we're going to try, because this is the first time we've done so many films in a, in a, in a single episode, 
I'm thinking I'll just briefly summarize Ringu 2 and then summarize Rings 2017. And then we can just generally talk about like the problems that these sequels had. And Kevin, I'm going to go for as bare bones of a summary as I possibly can. So feel free to jump in with the weird details because these movies both have I, really weird details. I, I do not remember a lot of the weird details. It was very hard to follow either movie. Taking place directly after the original film, Ringu 2 follows an investigation of the events of the first film after Samara's body was found in the well. Uh, and in this version, like a weird detail, she somehow actually survived in the well for 30 years. So she would have been, yeah, like in her 30s or early 40s when she died. It's never explained how she survived. She just did. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> she uh, fed. She she was fed through psychic energy alone, most likely. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so so the I, pretty much I think the entire cast of the original film uh, reappears, mm-hmm. and basically Samara is attempting to possess the Aiden character. Side note: like we're using the American names for everyone because they have different Japanese names. Uh, but I don't know if we want to butcher their names that badly. Yeah, I kind of figured <laughs> I can remember like three names at once. And so that I just remembered the American names. Right. Um, so apologies, Japan. Sorry, Japan. Go Menosai, Japan. Yes, what Kevin said. Yeah, so so that's that's Ringu 2. Samara is just trying to possess the child, essentially. Yep, pretty much. Rings 2017 is even weirder. More confusing. Even more confusing than uh, Ringu 2, which is saying a lot. Yeah. So there's this girl, Julia, and her boyfriend, Holt, goes away to college and essentially ghosts her. We've all been there. Yeah, (laughs) right. She gets concerned, and so she just like goes to his college looking for him. And realizes that he's been taking part in a research study led by a professor named Gabriel, who's played by the the same guy who played uh, Leonard in the Big Bang Theory. Johnny Galecki. Yeah, yeah, weird, weird casting choice. And so basically what Julia realizes is that students are watching Samara's tape as part of this research study. And then they're making copies and passing them on to other students to avoid death. And so through some convoluted bullshit, uh, I mean, through convoluted something, dumbness, um, eventually Julia and Holt set off to cremate Samara's body because apparently burying her wasn't enough. (laughs) And they learn the true story behind her birth, because remember, in the American version of, of The Ring, she was adopted. And there's like there's an evil priest involved and a plan to like reincarnate Samara. Uh, and none of the characters from the original uh, ring or from the American original appear in this version. Nope. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it. Right. Yeah. But like, where do we start with these films, Kevin? Cause I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to start with the Japanese ring too, just because it's easier to follow. Because like, pretty much like at the end of, like, towards the middle point of the uh, remake of the ring, the American ring, I was very confused. Quick editor's note: uh, Kevin is talking about Rings twenty seventeen, the American reboot of the ring. So I don't Mm. really know how to talk about it, (laughs) but like. I think I think the uh, sequel to The Ring is like a classic kind of mistake that a lot of people who make sequels or remakes uh, uh, to horror movies. Uh, it's kind of a classic example of that in that they like overcomplicate things and it yeah. just kind of stops making sense. So like the sequel isn't spectacular in any way uh, in terms of like horror movie sequels slash remakes. It's like kind of something we've seen, be- we've seen before mm-hmm. uh, where instead of like they're just being a very clear story in the ring. It's very much a detective story about this girl with a weird ass name 
<laughs> who just kills people or whatever through videotapes. Now they're like into like psychic powers and like energy and like somehow a doctor is involved in all that stuff. It's very like yeah. metaphysical, but at the same time, they're trying to make that metaphysical stuff scientific, which doesn't work because inherently those two things can't be combined in a way that makes sense. And they kind of try to lean into that, which I feel like they shouldn't have. Yeah, no, I think both films actually make a really similar mistake, right? That in the original one, the the they're, they they all have this sort of procedural feel on some level, right? Where they're following clues to figure out and understand something. Yeah. Um, but whereas Ringu and the Ring are essentially trying to figure out, like, okay, what's the deal with this videotape? Who is Samara? In Ringu, they're try- or Ringu two, they're trying to understand like the mystical like energy that Samara gives off. And so they have this whole experiment where they keep putting like a piece of paper in water oh, yeah. and like it absorbs more water it's because really confusing. Cause like science. that's, that's the way they test like whether someone is like psychic or not is they put like water or they put a piece of paper in water. And if the water climbs up the piece of paper, apparently they're psychic. Yeah. Because like they're psychic powers are like somehow you know uh uh changing the electrons and the i don't know it's the worst x-man power just like (laughs) (laughs) being able to control water but only through strips of paper yeah yeah well and so so then the the reboot rings 2017 has this similar thing, right, that uh, Leonard from the Big Bang Theory is running this research study on a college campus. And he, early on in the film, talks about the, um, what is it, is it the dual slit? um, Oh, yeah, the double slit experiment. The double slit experiment. Even though he's a biology teacher, the double slit experiment is uh, theoretical physics. So I don't understand. And then, like... He has this whole like monologue where he's kind of like explaining this, where it's like he starts off with biology and he goes into physics and suddenly he's into like deep, like philosophical questions and it doesn't really transition well. It's like our perceptions of things changes the reality and it makes us like, like we have some sort of like power in the way we perceive things and stuff like that. And it's just questionable as to like why, why why Delilah. yeah well and and i i think so uh any listeners who have any background in science i apologize ahead of time um but so my understanding of the the dual slit double slit experiment whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is is essentially that like the behavior of electrons changes when they're observed is that that's kind of the the broad strokes sort of it's not that they're like i i kind of know about it it's not that like the act of a human or something observing it, like literally like our perception of it is changing it. It's the light that is necessary to observe it changes the behavior of the electrons. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. It, 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 it does. Yeah. And and so I think, you know, in theory, what it's playing with is this idea that like by observing this videotape, right. you, you make a change. But what's baffling about Rings, the, the 2017 film, is that it essentially is trying... So it starts at that point, right? But then yeah. by the end, we're dealing with this crazed evil priest who, like... I don't know if he thinks Samara is the devil or what his deal is. I know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> but it's sort of like... It's it's thematically just like a dog's breakfast. Like, they're kind of like, yeah. okay, so like here's some science. Here's some, like, Christianity. Here's whatever Leonard from the big bang theory. Um, and so, so it ends up feeling like, whereas I think Ringu two makes the mistake of just leaning too far into the science yeah. rings, just kind of throws a bunch of stuff at the wall. And it's just like, well, so like all of these things and like none of it connects or really makes any sense together. It doesn't. I think a, a big problem that I have with it is the fact that like the central character, I feel like in ring two that like, makes the plot go long is Leonard from the Big Bang Theory. But um uh he's supposed to be a biology professor, but this ex- like trial experiment thing that he's doing has nothing to do with biology, like in the slightest. 
Yeah. And like he's somehow getting a lot of funding for it because he has like a whole secret floor somewhere in the university that kind of looks like a rave, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> apparently is apparently where they're conducting their uh experiments, which I don't even know what experiments they're conducting. Like they already know that if they make a copy and they show it to someone else and they don't die. I mean the person who like saw the film itself doesn't die, but then it gets passed on to someone else. So I don't really know what research they're conducting. It's never really that clear. And yeah. also it, it took them forever to figure out that like the markings that people get when they see the, the, the ring movie thing is in Braille. Yeah. Which is kind of obvious. Like Braille's kind of distinctive. I feel like if I saw like weird braille like markings on my hand i'd be like oh that's braille yeah no it's it's really it's 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 a really weird kind of move all all around i think um and 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 i think what it comes down to is that you know in the original film the mystery is all about kind of i think you know man's inhumanity to man or woman's inhumanity to girl i guess um in, in in uh the American version. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but it, it's, it's very much about um, these human interactions and, and, and then the kind of twist of like, Oh, it sort of was about that, but also Samara just is kind of pure evil or whatever. And so I think both of these films sort of fixate on like the least interesting <laughs> aspect of, of, of the narrative, which is kind of like the fact that Samara is psychic you know um or it's yeah like they they fixate on on the inhuman elements rather than the more interesting kind of human parts of the story right right yeah in like both films really the human elements the relationships between people aren't really focused on very much like i i imagine i think in the first film like the one that's like developed the most is between um the Aiden character and his mom who dies just like three fourths of the way through the movie. And in uh, rings, it's between uh, the main character and her boyfriend. And they're um, incredibly bland and basic. They're, they're not interesting. people. I, I don't like either of them and they don't spend a whole ton of time together, especially like at the beginning of the movie. So like, I don't care about the relationship. Yeah, yeah. When it's it's interesting because I, I think you know one of the main kind of criticisms that I've heard uh, leveled against the ring, and I I would kind of stand by this is that like the characters themselves aren't all that interesting. Like Naomi Watts as as a character, right? Um, uh, as Rachel, um, yeah, she's not particularly distinctive you know like if you asked me to say like three personality traits about her i would struggle to do that and and it's you know it's it's fine i think it's it's um something that is not necessarily a strength of the original film that i think a sequel could build on right that um i think really focusing on like the how people would interact in the scenario once we all know how the ring works and some of the mystery behind it I think that's a much more interesting direction to go than sort of fixating on, on like, what does it mean if this girl is psychic? Cause it, that's not what the movie was about. And it yeah. doesn't really deepen, uh, you know, like we don't actually end up learning more in either film all that much or not, yeah. not that much. It's actually meaningful. It's kind of, it's, it's trying to explain mysticism, which like is something that's inherently unexplainable. Uh, unless you like build like a whole world around it, which like for a movie just bogs everything down and makes it more confusing. Yeah, yeah. One, well, I I think honestly, Rings feels to me like they had like three different writers that wrote three different scripts, and then they just kind of sliced and diced them, and then like taped them all together. Oh yeah, um, it really feels that way. That you know, near the end, it feels like what it's kind of trying to be about is sort of the uh, generation generational trauma or the the cycle of trauma that we have. Um, Samara's birth mother goes through this horrible trauma that leads to Samara, who goes through this horrible trauma, and then after she dies, she kind of like feeds that trauma on into like this new form of weird kind of psychic violence or or, or whatever, and. That in theory, I think is is interesting, right? Or at least like there is a story to tell there. But the story that you, I, at least that I would tell there, 
does not go any of the directions they went right like i would not mess around with the like so the, the research lab where college kids watch the video in this weird the like double slit experiment man yeah you uh, just don't get it yeah 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 like it's like it, it almost feels like in the third act they start to realize like what movie they maybe should have been making all along but like they've already made you know the other two-thirds of the movie so like what are they going to do at that point right yeah it, it's it's a build-up that doesn't connect to like the conclusion yeah no, i think that's a great way to put it and i think that's why i was confused by it because everything felt so disconnected that by the end of it, I was just like, how does this make sense to have what was established beforehand? Where, where's the biology? Where's the double slit experiment? What, what does all, any of that have to do with like familial trauma? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and in the end, it really doesn't, right? Like I, no. I think the, the movie falls apart uh, in part because of yeah. that. And then also because the characters are terrible and the script That's, is yeah. awful. Not even like the the whole psychic powers and anything really connect to the trauma all that clearly. Like, I, I I'm just kind of like at a loss at that point because like everything that they built up has led to nothing. Yeah, well, and I, we have to talk about so the opening of Rings oh God, 2017. Yeah. It starts on an airplane with this random dude talking to a woman in the aisle across from him. So they don't even know each other. And he's just like, yeah, so like there's this crazy videotape or whatever. And I believe the very first line of the film is life sucks when you can't sleep. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Which is the weirdest fucking thing to say to some stranger just like next to you at an airplane. Yeah. Like that's not how you start a conversation. Don't talk to a stranger next to you at an airplane. like. Don't. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would hate that. <laughs> yeah, and then there's this whole thing where like Samara like takes over the plane and theoretically it crashes, and like it's really briefly mentioned that like the VCR that Leonard from Big Bang Theory finds that has the videotape in it belonged to this guy who died on this plane. Yeah, but otherwise the plane crash is never mentioned, right? And there's yeah. nothing about yeah, like we found the black box from this airplane, and apparently like a weird ghost girl like took over the plane, <laughs> like. And it it, it, it it's confusing because like, if if she did that, then like does that mean that anyone who survived that plane accident? would die in seven days but only if they saw the film right because yeah it appears on all of the the monitors on the yeah. back of the seats i mean i think it speaks to this problem that both ringu 2 and rings try to take the plot of of the original ring and move it into more of like an institutional setting so like yeah. a, a a university uh having scientists study it or even like having the police more involved and like I don't think narratively it can hold up to kind of like the scrutiny of, of having all these different people involved, right? It makes sense if it's a single journalist who's kind of looking for the truth. Like the moment you start to expand that very much at all, it's like, well, then we have all these questions like, okay, so did everyone on the plane see this? How are these college kids all keeping dead silent about this insane experiment and like who's funding it? Why aren't like the college students like super upset at, their professor leonard from the big bang theory because like yeah he basically just cursed all of them to die in seven days like i feel like that's grounds for like decapitation via angry mob of 18 to 20 year olds uh yeah no i'm I'm right there with you um yeah so with that in mind do you have any last thoughts on ringu 2 or rings 2017 uh, both bad. Uh, Ringu 2 is slightly better just because it's less confusing, uh, but also mm-hmm. not good. Would not recommend. Uh, Rings 2017 is terrible in many, many ways. Com- super confusing. I barely know anything about it. And like it really, it doesn't translate well to like a modern adaptation of the ring. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I feel like it has this weird problem of, so it came out in 2017 but visually it looks like a film from 2002. Like it also does that kind of blue green filter and they sort of entirely miss the boat on the fact that like we've moved into like the age of like YouTube and social media and the dark web, you know, that like there's all these developments that are 
significantly more interesting right. or or it doesn't modernize the story even though it's 15 years later i mean like they digitize like the video but like it's pretty much just like i share it with one person instead of like we could streamline this process by like putting it on live leak or something yeah 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 like it's like you know you could like dropbox samara yeah. But like <laughs> nobody that's that's not really touched on in the film. It just it just feels like a weird sort of like like the sequel they would have made to it yeah. in like 2005. Yeah. It doesn't really it doesn't touch on that until like literally way at the end and it does that in like the most boomer way possible which is like by having <laughs> one of those like spam emails where like where it's like got to see this video man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and like it's the kind of link that anyone would know like not to click because yeah. you're gonna get a virus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it ends with this link going out and all these people being like, whoa, this video is cool. It's like, I mean, we've all seen student art films before. Like, don't right. get ahead of yourself, buddy. Right. I feel like one person would watch it and be like, that's fucking weird. And most everyone would just be like, okay, spam, bye. Yeah, or they'd be like, oh, cool, this is your final project. I'll totally watch it. And, and then, then never watches it. <laughs> yeah. Samara never kills again. Let's uh, let's do some pitching. What um what thoughts did you have? So I think that like the last like section of rings that we just talked about is like getting at something that's more interesting, but they're doing it in a very messy and a very um non-developed way. Where it's like videos and like the way we interact with a media nowadays is vastly vastly different from how we interacted with it in the late 90s uh and early 2000s and it's constantly changing all the time very rapidly uh i feel like having a ring movie which is like inherently about media uh having that kind of like interact with how people consume media nowadays would be a lot more interesting like I just I, I described like if you put that thing on Live Leak, the video on Live Leak, or if you like made a TikTok of that or something, I feel like it would be one more realistic too. It'd be like a lot more. It'd be saying a lot more. Yeah, I mean, if you put Samara on TikTok, that's like Gen Z genocide. Yeah, genocide. But yeah, no, I mean, like if you wanted to just wipe out the entire population between the ages of like sixteen and twenty four just put the ring video on TikTok and like it's game over. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think it would be interesting to like, cause there are also like creepypastas, things like that of like, mm -hmm. if you watch this video or you're going to die or things like that, I think it'd be interesting to kind of go that direction, which like, I feel like a lot of um, modern horror movies and excuse me, horror video games are kind of doing. Mm -hmm. um, is kind of like going off of creepypastas, things like that. I think of Slenderman especially, uh, which I didn't really like that much, but whatever. Uh, but if you kind of go that direction of like internet urban legend uh, and kind of like seeing it play out as like, no, but this is for real. And like someone trying to figure out how to save like literally hundreds of thousands of people I think that would be a more interesting thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. When it's interesting, cause that's somewhat what the Japanese original is, is playing with. There's, there's some different kind of scenes of the characters sort of discussing or kind of meditating on, you know, like where do these things come from? How do they start? How do these, uh, you know, it, it is about how urban legends kind of work yeah. and it's similar to like Candyman, I guess, where it's like an urban legend that actually is true and actually people die from. Right. Right. Yeah, so I I went for a, a pretty similar pitch, or I, I have two different kind of pitches. So my first one, years after the events of the first film, Aiden is estranged from his mother and still dealing with the guilt of having made a copy of the tape. When he stumbles across a video online that appears to be a snuff film of a girl being murdered by Samara, he sets out to find the source of the video. 
And so I think it's really similar to what you're talking about, right? I mean, I, I was thinking about kind of the the dark web and the fact that there yeah. is this underside to the internet that, I mean, I guess like anybody has access to. I yeah. don't really know how the dark web works, honestly. Yeah, I've used a Tor browser before. It's surprisingly very, very easy to, to do that. But it, it it's really interesting. Like, it would be neat to like have maybe instead of just like these random people dying uh, who've just like interacted with the film, maybe it's just like a bunch of people who are like, I don't know, like really into streaming or like really into like deep web culture, things like that. Like a lot of people who go to 4chan <laughs> are just suddenly just dropping like flies because they saw the video. Yeah. Or there's something very targeted. I feel about yeah. like putting it on, on 4chan. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and it, so it's interesting to me, right. I was thinking about the idea of, you know, at the end of at least the American version Aiden is very uncomfortable with making a copy of the tape, right? Because right. he knows that by doing that, they're continuing it on, you know? And I, I think there, there could be a really interesting exploration of survivor's guilt in a sequel mm. and, you know, playing with, well, like this could have died with us. And it's sort of a decision that because he's a child, he's not really able to make it right. His mom makes the decision for him. Yeah. And I imagine that he would feel like especially guilty if because he had to pass on the tape and it eventually got digitized and put online, that he's kind of like directly responsible for probably hundreds of people's deaths. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's interesting too how it kind of, how the mystery shifts in, in that way as well. Right. So like in the first film, they track down the specific locations that are being shown in the video. And that's how they're able to kind of eventually learn about Samara as a person and then also find her body. And I think there's something really interesting about, you know, like how do you track a video online? You know, it, it feels like it's still following that kind of mystery plot of the original film, but taking it in kind of a different direction of like, you know, chasing IP addresses and trying to figure out like, um yeah who these users are on 4chan or what what have you Mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to see instead of like when they did the original um raying and like the american remake they focused a lot on like technical kind of like videotape terms like video terms things like that Mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to like see that done but with like coding html things like that and like what weird creepy stuff is in the code yeah yeah i feel like that could only be done by like a director that isn't above the age of 50 though which are few and far between very fair very fair yeah yeah when i think there's something interesting too about kind of like the culture of like voyeurism online you know i mean so i know you haven't seen videodrome which like i haven't we need to make that happen um because there is there's an interesting crossover with Videodrome that these are, you know, they're two films very much about videotape. They're dealing with kind of uh, pirate signals and, and sort of the ways that like viewing something or watching something then reflects back and, and does something to us as, as people. And I think there's an interesting, uh, not, not, not an equivalent, but I'm thinking about, you know, say like how ISIS would upload videos of, of executions, say, and those would get a huge number of hits um, or even the discussion um, around like body cam footage with police and, um, you know, seeing somebody murdered essentially live and how that is passed across the internet and both acts as like an impetus for activism, but also is like really traumatizing for people. Um, and I, I think there's like a whole world that you can play with there of, of then the, yeah, the voyeurism of how we approach the things that we view online and how we feel so separated from these things that we interact with online. Yeah. Yeah. I actually took a film class in an undergrad that had to do with film and voyeurism. Um, and we watched, uh, both blow up and blow out. One of them mm-hmm. was by it. I don't remember who the director was for the first one, but uh, I know Brian De Palma directed, uh, I think, Blowout, if I remember mm-hmm. right. And, and the film's very much about, like, voyeurism, like, seeing other people without them knowing, things of that nature. And, like, I feel like that in itself is a very, like, meta element that we could they could kind of, like, bring into, like, a remake of The Ring. Because, like, you are, like, a viewer 
watching something you are you are kind of like if we take if you take the actual movie to be something realistic you're kind of like part of this like you're not separated from everything that's happening because you yourself are also like participating in this like voyeuristic action of seeing someone else's story seeing someone else's death going along it'd be interesting to see that on a meta element it's almost like a kind of like how reaction videos are also kind of like doing the same thing like they're kind of like inherently voyeuristic in a sense and like a lot of reaction videos are like about these kind of horrific things that happen to people and like we watch it just for entertainment yeah yeah well and i think it um you know it reflects back on just horror cinema as well right you know um, I've heard Videodrome as essentially David Cronenberg making a film. It's like, well, like, what if all my critics are right, right? Like, what if right. seeing these really explicit acts of violence and sexuality and what have you on screen actually does do something bad to our brains? Right. So, yeah. So I, and there's, so I think there's something really interesting of taking the ring and going to this next step further was not even necessarily like the Samara video that's, that's circling, but it's actually yeah, a, a snuff film of, of someone being murdered by Samara on the screen and thinking about, like, mm. how would the internet internet react to that? Because I think uh, for a lot of folks, we'd just be like, well, that's like some amazing special effects, you know? Right. And that's kind of, like, voyeuristic and, like, messed up in its own way. Yeah, it is. And, like, I feel like, especially with the original uh, Japanese one, again, it, it went really, it went uh, really, I think, realistically with this sort of, like, urban legend thing. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, there's this video that if you watch, you you're gonna die in seven days, and like people are obviously gonna watch it because like you're hard and you want to like prove yourself to people, and I feel like that sort of like culture is a lot more prevalent in the internet nowadays. So like it's kind of like that times like a thousand, where it's like if you like have like if there is like a video that like if you watch it seven days later you're gonna die. It's gonna like spread like wildfire. Yeah, like the the influencer culture is just gonna be like wiped out in a single week. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's it's interesting too because like in in the original uh, film, right, like the videotape is a specific physical artifact that somebody has right. to find and interact with, and I think the internet is really interesting in the ways that like things move so so wildly, uh, so quickly, so seamlessly. Yep. That yeah, I mean, uh, fundamentally, like Samara is way more dangerous in the digital age. Yeah, and Rings twenty seventeen does not get that. I mean, like if you put her online, she would be there forever. Like there is no way of like making sure no one ever watches that film ever again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's no way to delete something from the internet, really. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a lot more horrifying of like having a monster or something that you can't, you just, by nature of the internet, you cannot kill. All you have to do is like either like figure out how to like make her stop killing people or like just like hope people stop doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, so I have one other pitch and honestly, I am much less confident in, in this one. I, I, I feel like I think there really is something to like the combination of sort of what we've been talking about here, right? I, I think maybe it's just fundamentally that like the way that the ring interacts with the internet is interesting and opens up a lot of possibilities. Right. But my, my other pitch has to do with, uh, so in the, in the opening scene of both films, it begins with two uh, high school girls having a conversation and they're talking about the, the, the tape. And then it turns mm-hmm. out that one of them has seen it. And so the girl who has seen it dies and then her aunt is the uh, journalist that the, the film focuses on. Mm-hmm. The girl who doesn't die, um, but finds uh, her body. I wish I remembered their names because it's really confusing. Like, so like the girl who's not the one who did the thing, um, yeah. but basically the survivor of that scene in both films ends up in a mental institution and is just terrified of any kind of like a screen. Mm-hmm. And so my second pitch focuses on that character. So the the friend from the original film uh, finally leaves the mental institution where she's been living for uh, the past 15 years. And she's still terrified of like all screens, which, you, you know, and I'm thinking of 
the shift from you know 2002 to to present you know the the movement right. it's like suddenly there's a screen on everything and everywhere yeah. we're, we're much more plugged in and so she decides to start a new life kind of living off the grid but gradually realizes that samara is like infiltrating her dreams mm. that would be interesting i feel like it'd be uh i mean it, it, it's considerably more difficult for someone to avoid screens nowadays because yeah. they're literally in every single person's pocket like there's more phones i think i believe there's more phones that exist nowadays than there are people so it would be kind of all uh nearly impossible to avoid the uh, only means of like samara getting to you yeah yeah well and so so what is potentially interesting about this pitch to me at least is i mean really it, it's sort of like the ring meets nightmare on elm street you know it's um kind of fusing those those two concepts and i don't know how much you could do the ring without the the technology aspect like i, I wonder if it would feel like the same film really but i am interested in this idea of samara kind of transcending technology that like even if you utterly cut your off, yourself off from the ways that she travels that there is no no escape really i think there's there's something potentially interesting there i forget have you seen ghost in the shell like no the i haven't original one way better than the remake um but it it, it deals with something that's uh loosely similar to that which i think is like the separation between like humanity and technology and it kind mm-hmm. of ends with like the combination of both of those things being a lot more powerful than either i think like one way that like samara could transcend kind of that technology is by doing something like that by instead of like being a being that like relies on technology i don't know the only way i can imagine it is is like if she and this is way out of left field is if she like infects a robot or something yeah no i i was thinking something similar yeah, yeah. or like a person with a google glass i don't know yeah no I, yeah I, I mean i think there is a point right if we set if you move the setting to up to the near future then suddenly like augmented reality opens up the entire universe for samara right yeah. or it, it it does open up some really interesting possibilities yeah no but i i, I like that i like that uh conceptually very much i'm still i still very much want like samara to come out of like one of those like big like massive screens that like you see at like a stadium (laughs) and her just being like a kaiju just like kaiju samara just like (laughs) destroying the city it's either going to be that or it's going to be a normal size samara and she just like falls real far into the ground (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, I do love the idea of like samara zilla kind of i'd love it it'd be uh it'd be a really big uh change in genre that i kind of love yeah the ring as monster movie samara versus godzilla the yes. ring versus godzilla <laughs> Again, it's interesting because on some level, it's not that the characters of the original film are incredible or, or, or anything like that. But I think there is something really interesting about following the those people in particular years later, you know, because I, I think and maybe it has to do with like the, the transmission element of the story. Right. Kind of uh, or, or like the infection horror of it. Mm that you know we're dealing with characters that eventually make the decision to pass it on rather than dealing with rather than dealing with it themselves i guess right, right? or I, I mean to save their own lives i guess they 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 pass it on yeah and that that does something i i think or 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 that to me speaks to like those characters are going to be in a very different place uh years later they're going to still be working through that and dealing with that and i think that um both of the sequels that we watch sort of end up sidestepping that mm-hmm. uh either by you know ringu 2 just taking place like just like a couple weeks i think after the original film and rings by just not even referencing any of the characters in the original right. film i mean like they're they're sidestepping like this really interesting conversation i don't know i feel like i i feel like ring like the existence of samara everything like that is the closest thing to like passing a thought around where like if you think this thing you will you will die mm-hmm. or something like that where it's like 
it's not necessarily your fault that you watch this, especially if you were forced into it. And I feel like it's it, it, it's an interesting conversation of like, should I feel guilty for doing this or not? Because like I sent in someone else to die, but I did it only to save myself. Yeah, yeah, and, and like like that is a starting point for a film, I think. You know, yeah. or like I, that's that's so much more interesting, I think, than say like figuring out like the true mother of Samara, right? It's been it's one been. week since it's up I really still want sushi and crab rangoons. I'm craving. Oh. I'm a real craving ra- crab rangoons right now. I'm gonna get I some. I want the chicken to China, the Chinese chicken. chicken. You had a drumstick and a rainstuff chicken. Watch your next sauce with the lights, lights on. on. Return to the Telepodcast is a production of Silent Machine Studios, featuring music by My Silent Machine. If you enjoyed this episode, like, subscribe, and do whatever else you usually do with podcasts, I don't know. Thank you for listening.